0: Hello, part two of our lovely chat with Jax and his mum. So wonderful this episode. If you haven't heard part one, go get it on the feed. And here's part two. The reason that there are caveats around unconditional love is fear, right? Absolutely. And that's what we're trying to do our own little bit of of solving here today. And, And I wonder what... So after Jax told you that he wanted to transition, and then Jax wanders off and your Drops that bombshell, leaves yeah, you with that. Yeah, and then and you <laughs> and your excuse husband... me,
1: Dad came out for me both times. Yeah,
0: he did. Oh, go on, tell <laughs> me yeah, about that.
1: So, so the first time when I was sat... 10 years ago and I was sat down crying my eyes out terrified to say I'm gay and he just sits down there and I I say this all the time but I can only describe my dad as a blonde Peter Kay right that's how he talks that's how he that's his mannerisms he makes himself laugh so he sits down and obviously it's all serious so he has a smirk on his face and he's like you're gay aren't you but he's very blunt, very straight. I'm just it. like, yeah, I'm sorry, it's okay. It's okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. And, um, and then we had like a fantastic conversation and it was all fine because they all knew before I did. And then 10 years later, I sit down and I'm yeah. sat there and they know that I ca- I cause carnage once a year anyway. So we're sat around the dining room table. So they know something's go again. coming. What's coming now. And he, starts, he decides to start guessing again. So he's like, you're pregnant. I'm like, no, (laughs) (laughs) you're getting a puppy. I was like, no. (laughs) (laughs) And then he goes, you're not having a sex change, are you? Complete joke. Like complete joke. And and I was just like, oh my God, shit. Like, yeah, like terrified. Like, yeah, I Mm. am. Cause where'd you go from there? Like he's just said it and the color from his face just disappeared. Like the, the atmosphere in the room, you know, because no one else knew it was coming. And my mum was the only person who had a slight inkling. Mm-hmm. The, my dad was gobsmacked mm-hmm. and terrified mm. and immediately thought, we have to leave Wigan. Really? Because I'm going to end up punching everybody for abusing you.
2: Yeah, he was just frightened of people attacking Jess as wanting to become a man. And mm. so it was, it was just fear. Panic in him straight away, thinking, well, I'm not having that happen, so I'll move. I'll take her away and we'll go somewhere else and nobody will know us and we'll be okay and we'll protect her. That's great. It was like just fear, I think. Mm. That is panic and fear just hit him straight away until it just needed to think about things and let it settle in his own mind and... And I think that's what hits every person, every yeah. parent because yeah. mm. trans people existence is questioned
1: constantly within the yeah. media and people are still murdered and attacked for these things mm. and yeah. their rights being questioned. And, you know, that happened just a few weeks ago when I was like, yeah. and it, it just, it's fear of all of that. But it's, I think it's also fear of everyone else and what you're going to say. And, you know, because there's a lot of shame attached to it mm. and there shouldn't be, but obviously we're building as a society now, but there has been a lot of shame you know surrounding being trans and I struggled with that for a long time yeah and I still do at times but it's I think there's just a mixture of that it's all just fear Yeah. yeah. even when you know that oh we you can't do that but it's fear
0: yeah and that fear that fear that you and Terry had yeah completely valid what was your first conversation like after Jax had told you because you know Terry's scared so are you
2: I think I remember us being in bed that night and probably not really sleeping, just keep asking each other things and talking it over and little things had come into your mind. And it was never fear or panic about, right, well, don't want to know him now. Mm. You can go and live somewhere else. It was that never entered our mind, thank God. Uh, it was just, what can we do to help? How mm. can we help him be the right person? Is is he thinking clearly? Is is this really what he wants to do? Is it you know all we can do is now is like find everything out for him and go on this journey and see, is this the right way? And that was the main thing that after we'd decided, oh no, we're not moving and thinking because honestly, all of our family and all of our friends have been amazing. Yeah, incredible. You know, wow. they've just all been there, back you up, been with us. Yeah been really supportive um and i think what helped as well was when you came into the military and you were struggling and you joined you went into the prison and our doctor um uh, well nurse practitioner and the nurses have helped so much mm-hmm. with you on this journey that we always felt like we had support great always had that support didn't we yeah. so we had family we had friends and we even had the the yeah. nurse practitioner and the nurse on our side so it was like we had this we had a safety blanket anyway. It was like, yeah. we don't need to move. We can cope with this. We're fine.
0: That's great.
2: We'll yeah. help him do whatever is needed.
0: Well, it's funny because it, no matter how old that child of yours is, you feel like any problem of theirs is yours to solve, right? Yeah. So you yeah. need to solve it. On a practical level, what were the first things you did? Did you Google stuff? Like, did you, what was most useful for you at that time?
2: I can't say I did Google anything. Really? But the Terry did, I just, that never entered my mind. I think it was just, these are our kids, our children, whatever's going on, we help. I don't ever recall doing that. I just thought, you know, whatever, you'll show me the way of kind of which way you want it to go. Yeah. And then I'll help you and then I'll start looking into things to see which way I can help you do it, but I'll take the lead from you. Like we said earlier, I would never have said, yeah, I think you should be a man. Go do it.
0: And so, did you know, Jax, a bit about what your next steps were? So,
1: I, so I like it was not in my head at all. I I buried it from that conversation we had about Mm. do I need to be a boy two years ago. And it it only came about because I had a conversation with someone about mental health Mm -hmm. whilst working in the prison and said, like, really blase, you know, yeah, I used to struggle with my mental health. I used to think I wanted to be a man and just sort of said it, like, dealt with that. Mm. and as soon as i said it it just stuck and it was like it there'd been 26 years of of like the universe trying to say you're gonna to have to do this at some point point. Mm-hmm. and as soon as i had that conversation it just stuck and i spent a year not saying a word and just dived into this youtube hole mm-hmm. of finding all these trans men and figuring out that they that could that was a thing And that you could change and they were changing their bodies and they were being models and they were having careers and they were really happy. And I was thinking, like, I could do that. I was looking at them thinking, that's fantastic, but I can't do that. Mm -hmm, Like, I can't do that in Wigan. I certainly can't do that in a prison. And I can't do that to my family. So I kind of like wanted to just live vicariously through YouTube whilst being a prison officer and thinking, well, it exists, so I'm all right. And Obviously, I didn't realise that I just became more and more angry with the world the more I was accepting who I really was. And I was becoming really quite envious of these people living how I could live. Yeah. And it started to take a toll on my mental health, which is why I then ended up
0: making the decision to transition. Who were those YouTubers, particularly for trans men? Like, I just think... It's not not a lot. Yeah, the resources are a lot less. People have a lot less, not a lot
1: less knowledge about trans men. Mm. They're not as prominent in the media. For me, I found people like Laith Ashley, who's the first trans person I showed you, Mm. and a guy called Benjamin Melzer. I think he's in Germany. Laith Ashley's in America. There wasn't a great deal, Mm. but there was someone. These two people reminded me of me. I knew that I've always had a passion for like building a strong body and being sporty and wanting all these things. And I'm thinking, you know, I was talking the other day about having a dream of like being a male model, mm. but could never, ever voice that dream because it could never be real. Yeah. And now like I'm like on this mission and I'm doing all these things and I can, people probably think, well, where's that come from? But there are <laughs> all these little dreams that I could never actually wish for. Yes. Because I thought, well, you can't be a male model. You're a girl. So those people really, really helped me and it made me want to be that for so many other people because Mm. it made me go that's who I am.
0: What about telling the family? Did you, was there a big sit down? How did you address it?
2: With just us five, brother and sister, Mm. we was all together when you talked about it. And then I think for a few weeks, we all went off and just... Mm. Thought about a big it message, ourselves, I, yeah. yeah, he did. Just sent us all a big message, and Nick probably dealt with it in her way, and talked to some friends and Tez, because he's a young lad, and I think he dealt with it in different ways at the time, not knowing quite who to say to, yeah. what to say to people. Should I tell people? Mm. Whereas, like me and a, your dad, we were just, this is our family. We're going to have to tell them and be honest and see what their reaction is, and if they don't like it and they're not on board with it. Well, that, you know, that's okay. That's up to them. But Jack says, I was a child and we're going to support him whether they're on board or not. You know, three children come first. But thankfully, they were all they were all with us. They were all on yeah. your side, weren't they? Yeah. And I think Very lucky.
1: I think it's credit to, to, like, us as a family. From what everyone's told me, the approach that I and we have taken with it Well, you know, I said to you, I want to take the, I want to take everyone on this journey with me. I wanted to allow people to make mistakes and understand and Mm -hmm. learn. And I wanted it to feel normal. And because it drove me mad that it was so terrifying to just be yourself. Mm. and I was thinking this shouldn't be like this and Mm. and change how people see this.
2: We've just been honest and open with anybody. So this is us. This is what we're like. And yeah and then
1: like everything i did so i started trying to like do podcasts and do different things as right from probably 6 months into transitioning because i wanted to document everything and everything i did i would tell you or I would send her a message, be like, "I'm doing this podcast today because this visibility is this important because and this saves lives." And I would like give you a load of things on why I was doing something. Mm. And over time, doing all those things, then going, "Look, look how important that is! Look what someone's just texted me! Like, look this brand this woman's just messaged me about her son who's self-arming and they've seen my video." Mm. And then I think slowly, you and and my dad and everyone started to see the impact of that as well. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think over time. You always used to say to me, you know, thanks for that. Because then when people ask me, I can say, always doing this because, and and you're involved and, Mm. you know, take them with you. It's really hard to allow people who want to support you to support you because you feel so like, don't look at me. I'm a freak. I'm like half man, half woman. Like I'm, I feel so embarrassed. I was so ashamed of, of in that first few months of Mm -hmm. who I was. And I didn't want to let anyone support me. Mm. But I thought, but they want, they want to help me here. I've got to let them.
2: You at first felt like you needed to go away and do it all alone, yeah, your own. Off. And yes. went off to Brighton thinking, oh, I can't do this in Wigan. I can't do this and let everybody see me going through all these changes. And, yeah. and then quickly realized a couple of months in, God, I, I need, I need my family. Mm. I need to be with my family and friends. I can't do this by myself.
0: Mm. Yeah.
2: Thankfully, came home and,
0: that's yeah. what we did. Wow. That's so cool.
1: That's good. And that is all you need. Like yeah. that is actually, that has absolutely been proven. Yeah. That All you need is a good support network mm. around you. I didn't, you didn't. We didn't go looking for research resources. We did, you know, they're all fantastic. Mm. But personally, I didn't really do that. And you didn't do we that. We didn't know if there was. Because all we've been really passionate about always is have the difficult conversations, mm-hmm. just talk, And if it's not figured out, talk again and talk again and talk again and keep talking it out and talking it out. And that is what we've done with everything. But especially this, that's what it needed Yeah, because you've just got to keep having that conversation that you don't want to have. And it makes you uncomfortable. It makes you flip your lid. It makes you really upset, you know, a different emotion every day. But you've got to just keep, you know, I need to understand this for you and how it affects you. Yeah. And they need to understand how this is affecting me. Mm as well as going, I feel like this, and you feel like
0: that. It's incredible.
2: Yeah, we've always done it from being little, without anything to do with being trans, from all being young children, we've always said, if there's anything wrong, just talk. Just come and tell us, because we don't know. We can't help. Mm. Whatever it is, we'll help you fix it, but just talk. Just keep that communication Mm. going. That would be the biggest thing I could say to anybody, anybody's parents who's going through it, friends, family, just... Keep that communication open. You'll make them feel safe and that uh, just keep talking and learn about things together.
0: It's amazing and amazingly simple, yeah. but also kind of rare. And it's it's just incredible to listen to you lot and how you Aww. communicate. Tell me a bit about your journey, particularly right now. I don't think people even know what they can and no. cannot get on the NHS, for example.
1: Yeah. I mean I get so many messages off people saying, What do I do? Like what 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 do I do? Because the if you go to the NHS now and approach your doctor or whatever and, and say that you want to transition, the likelihood of you being seen just for a first consultation is twenty years. Because the the waiting list is that long now, there aren't the resources, you know, there aren't the people qualified and specialised in these things and it's just not available. And people will take their own lives because of that, you know, um, because they won't, they can't wait, you know, especially when people finally come to these decisions, especially you know adults and, you know, people like me and, and you take that long to come to a decision. You can't, you can't then go, oh, well, I can't do another 20 years. Um, I couldn't do like another year. You know, mm. I was, I was panicking. So obviously there are private options, which still takes you a year or two to get a consultation. And that's just to even be assessed to to then be diagnosed with gender dysphoria or for someone to say you need counseling you know let's let's assess whether this is something you really want and obviously that's very very expensive and mm. um, luckily I was in a position where I saved up and I went through a private um, healthcare and so initially what you do is you have the consultation which um, someone psychiatrist goes through everything with you and what you understand about transitioning. Is it something that you really want? Do you understand the impacts of it, the effects of hormones? You know, this is irreversible. Is this, you know, and sort of assesses how you felt your whole life and why you want to do it and all these things. And then they will either say, right, well, I'm going to refer you for counseling or because I'm not sure, or I'm going to now refer you on to an endocrinologist to sort your hormones if that's what you want to do. mm mm-hmm. And so then after that, you you wait a while and then I've got another appointment with an endocrinologist who then will assess your blood work and discuss what, you know, going on to hormones and stuff like that. In terms of surgery for me, I've only had chest surgery and I made the decision to go to America for that. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons was I had to wait a lot longer in this country to live as Jax before they would allow me to do it. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to see a surgeon who I knew would understood what to put the scars in the right place. And, you know, there's a lot of surgeons out there who, who who don't do it for the right reasons and will just cut you down the middle and, you know, leave you in a mess and you've not, you don't, you want to build your dream body. And it was important for me to have that aesthetic. Mm -hmm. Um, so I've spent about 15,000 pounds so far on -hmm. transitioning. For example, female to male bottom surgery is about 60,000 pounds and about four operations. You know and a hell of a lot of pause on your life mm. for especially for for me right now but it's all the different things whether it's male to female female to male they're all at different levels of development and how yeah how like how how developed they are and the quality of different things and how you can access them and the waiting lists and all mm. these things. So it's really individual to each person. Yeah. But the fact that it is so scarce and you do have to wait a long time if you want to go through the NHS is dangerous.
0: Mm. Yeah. And And can you fully transition on the NHS theoretically if it weren't for all the waiting times? Or is there always going to be an element that has to be private? I think... The problem
1: is, if you don't have a supportive doctor, uh, um, your GP can go, nope. Right. Which is, you know, out of order. Mm. Because, so for example, I went private to get assessed for the hormones. Mm-hmm. But what they then do is, they do a shared care agreement with your GP. Mm-hmm. They won't just provide the hormones. So they have to go through a shared care agreement where they they're there for support, but it's your GP and who provides the prescriptions. Mm. So if your GP turns around and says, "No, nah, you're not transitioning," mm. you know, if I if I change GP now and they suddenly decide they were against trans, they could they could stop mm. me taking hormones and have that control on my life. And that is a the case for a lot of people. They don't have a supportive GP.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and GPs are obviously not trained in it either, mm. which I think. Is, try, is being pushed at the minute to get GPs to be able to do these things because that would, like, catastrophically bring down the waiting list because mm-hmm. GPs would be able to deal with these things mm-hmm. and prescribe hormones or, you know, talk through these things or at least even have more of an idea of what's going on. Mm. Because as, fa- as fantastic as my doctor has been, you know, she had to learn and... and yeah and ask me and, and speak to the private company that I went through and to learn and what we needed to do and when we needed to monitor blood. And, you know, there's just mm. not the knowledge. Like I just got given a load, of, a load of hormones and I was like, well, we had to go looking for needles. I didn't know what needles to use, wow. you know, and I like inject myself every 10 days. But mm. initially I was like, well, mum, we're going to have to go to Boots and see if they'll give us some needles. Really? You know, I just think, well, how do I do this? And I was on YouTube and there's just, not, there's just not the knowledge. And it's a shame because I think there's too many people who just don't want to know because it's not affected my life yet. Yeah. And as soon as it does affect someone's life, that's when the
0: mindsets change. And you said, Sharon, that there were lots of good medical professionals, for want of a better word, that were really helpful and you really liked. Yeah. Were they here or in America? or?
2: No, that was... Our own general practice, our own GP. Oh, great. Yeah, the doctor there and the nurses there who, I think because they've been, well, they've always been our doctor, but they've seen Jax's journey from going into the RAF, then coming out of the RAF and obviously being back with our doctor. Mm. They knew the state that then as Jess that she was feeling and oh. we kept going in, and we'd have different meetings, and seeing yeah, I was really depressed and really strange. down, and didn't know coming out to the RAF, going starting the prison service, but was really mixed up about yourself. So they've like gone on the journey with us and been really supportive. Mm. And the nurse even asked a couple of times, knowing that as Jess was a gay woman, but did actually come out and say, "Do you think that you want to transition? Do you think you you know want to be a man?" I, can, I can't can tell you how many times. No, no, I don't want that. No, I don't want to do that.
0: Really? So when you were asked that question, were you like, I'm lying with my answer or you just weren't there yet? I just wasn't there yet. I was just
1: like, no, you know, absolutely not. And it, that's what I mean. It, it was just not a thing in my head, apart from the fact that I only started thinking about it over the last few years from being really little. I used to always have these like impulsive thoughts in my mind, and I was always like quite anxious. Yeah. But it was like a little prayer. Mm. And I used to say, and it would happen like, you know, 50 times before I went to sleep or just throughout the day, I'd be talking and then I'd have to like say this three times. And I wouldn't really be conscious of it, but it, it'd be like a thing going around all the time. And I used to say, please don't anything bad happen. And I used to say everything twice, please don't anything bad happen. I would never change anything. Please, everything be okay. And I love being a girl and I did that from the age of four or five to the age of like 24. And I just thought, Oh my God, you've just spent 20 years trying to convince yourself you was happy being a girl. Mm. Because I
0: was terrified of what it might mean if I didn't. Yeah. Because I couldn't change it. And did anyone else know you did this? You didn't know Sharon?
2: Yeah. I've done, I've I've known for a few years now, but at the Mm. time I didn't know.
0: Well, and then you did do it, yeah. And look how amazing it is now. You know, it's, yeah, it's uh, it's incredible. And I I hate the thought of what I've put them through.
1: Uh huh. But I, I'm just so happy that they see the light back in my
0: eyes now. You know, I think it's important to say that. You know, how did we get this happy jacks? Well you faced up to some stuff that was obviously internally, but you had support and it was really simple support, which was like, just let them decide and follow their lead. And that's kind of what this is all, this whole conversation is about in a way is that it is as simple as that. Um, Because it's not about gender. mm, It's about life.
1: Right. You know, I've gone back into a prison and, and taken prisoners on this journey and it's inspired prisoners to realize that it's never too late to change your own life and well, stop taking drugs and stop self-harming and embrace the scars and not be ashamed of them and realize that it doesn't matter how far along you are, how old you are, what position you're in. If you can look yourself in the mirror and tear yourself apart and do the difficult things mm-hmm. and do everything that you're avoiding... You can find happiness and change your life if you really want to, mm. but you have to have those difficult
0: conversations and you have to face up to what you don't want to face. A life affirming chat that I would say. I just think those guys are an example to all of us of how to approach any topic in a family. I mean, they just talk and they support. It was beautiful and they had a really big hug after they finished chatting and it was so lovely. And just shout out to Sharon, who was just an absolute star. Star in the making, as is Jacks. Now, at Homo sapiens on Instagram. Hello at homo sapienspodcast.com. Don't be a stranger, in the words of Dina Carroll, I think that was. Get in touch. All right, everybody, thanks for listening. Uh, Thursday, massive news Jonathan Van Ness on the show. No less, no less, no less. Of queer eye fame, of international superstardom fame. It's a brilliant chat. Tune in.
2: Spirit Studios.